Hi, everyone. Welcome to Face to Face, a UC Davis podcast featuring students, staff, and faculty innovators. I'm your host, Chancellor Gary May. Stay tuned for my next guest. Hello, my name is Crystal Rogers, and I am a developmental and cell biologist in the School of Veterinary Medicine and the Department of Anatomy, Physiology, and Cell Biology. I moved my lab to UC Davis from California State University, Northridge in September of 2019. My research focuses on understanding the molecular mechanisms that control embryonic development from a single cell to a complex organism. My lab uses a number of bird species, including chicken, quail, and peafowl, as well as amphibians to answer these complex questions, and is also the home of a Twitter-famous salamander named Chonk the Axolotl. Welcome to Face to Face, Crystal. Great to have you here with me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, now, before we get to the work, I, we have to talk a little bit more about Chonk. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, who or what is Chonk, and um, how did he become so Twitter-famous? I absolutely love to tell this story. Okay. Um, Chonk is an axolotl that came to UC Davis as a tadpole. And when I transitioned the animals from Cal State Northridge to here, our vivarium technician, I think she didn't trust me to move them and keep them alive. So she bred them before I came and I had a whole tank of tadpoles. And after about a month or two, I noticed that one of the tadpoles was giant. And I thought, I can't leave this animal. They, they can be cannibalistic. So I couldn't leave that animal in the tank with the others because I knew that there were soon be others missing. <laughs> and so I moved the animal to a new tank with a few friends because I didn't want it to be alone. And when I when I went to the lab, I came back an hour later and I noticed there were two where there were three. And when I looked closely at this large animal, I saw another animal inside of its belly. And I was like, this animal is a chonk. Um, it's like eating everything in the tank. And um, it, it has always been a voracious eater. But with axolotls, we didn't know whether it was a girl or a boy because their secondary sexual characteristics don't show up for about a year or more. And so I just kept, you know, making bets, hedging my bets. Um, and it turns out chonk is a female. So she ate her sibling and she was predestined to be a successful animal. Um, and she actually also, when she mates, she lays more eggs than I've ever seen. She's just a very big axolotl. So give us an idea. How big is big for that animal? From tail to head, um, she's about probably, I don't know, eight, eight or nine inches long. And in the wild, I think they can get a little bit bigger. But in the tanks that we house them in, which are about 10 liters, they tend to, to stay between six and seven inches. So she's, she's a little bit bigger. Are the females normally more voracious eaters of other of their species than the males are, or is that just well, specific to this animal? I actually don't know the answer to that. These animals are almost extinct in the wild, and so there aren't a lot of behavioral studies in their natural habitat. Um, but I would say that they're equally as voracious, male and female, in, in our colony. Okay, great. I'm not going to say anything about gender of animals because <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble if I do. So let's move on. Right. Uh, let's talk about your work. Okay. Um, let's hear about your work, maybe the elevator speech and what excites you the most about what you do. Okay. So I'm a developmental biologist. Um, I am the person driving around Davis with my music up very high and a license plate that says Dev Bio. So if you see that, it's me. Um, I am a tried and true developmental biologist. And what that means is that I'm really interested in understanding how complex animals form from a single cell. And in our lab, we use molecular techniques to try to figure out the pathways that drive formation of certain tissues and cells. And so to simplify it, the cells we study the most are called neural crest cells, and those are the cells that make the face. 
they also make a ton of other different derivatives like the peripheral nervous system. You know, so the way that you, we sense the world, they make parts of the heart, they make our skin pigment. Um, but the coolest thing is studying how different face shapes form. Well, that's very interesting and, and exciting. I wonder, um, I, I know that you've been honored by the National Science Foundation with a career award for this work. And for those that don't know about the career awards, these are very prestigious young investigator awards that are given to a, a small fraction of uh, the scholars nationally that are within the first five years, I think, of uh, their, their appointments, uh, their academic appointments. Um, Tell us about your plans for that career award, uh, including um, what you want to do with undergraduates in your lab. Absolutely. Um, my career award is focused on comparing molecular mechanisms that make neural crest cells across species. So why are chicken faces different than quail faces, different than peacock faces, basically? And since we have access to all of these animals, two of which come from the UC Davis Avian Resource Center, so those the, the quail and the chickens come from here, um, I can do analyses to figure out what's so different and what's similar, what's conserved, and what's divergent in these species. And so that's what the grant is focused on, is actually doing functional studies in the two birds and seeing how they're different. Um, and then for undergrads, I have a program called Functional Analysis of Crest Effectors, which is shortened to FACES, of course, because it's NSF, so it's got to have a cool acronym or name. Um, and FACES is a summer program where I bring scholars from historically um, underrepresented groups or um, Hispanic serving or first-gen students, basically, Hispanic-serving institutions or first-gen students, to UC Davis. They come and stay for the summer, and they do research in the lab. So this summer, we had our first two students, and it was a blast. And they got to stay in the UC Davis dorms, which are awesome. That's great. You're not going to believe this, but I'm also a big advocate for undergraduate research, and I once had an NSF program with the same acronym. You're kidding. Faces. You're kidding. It, it stood for Facilitating Academic Careers in Engineers, Engineering and Science. Oh, my gosh. Great and, minds think alike. Yeah. And, and the tagline was, uh, we're changing the face of the engineering and science prophecy. Yeah, so that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. my gosh. That's a really fun. Okay. I say I'm changing the face of science also. Yeah, there you go. Great minds good do indeed stuff. think alike. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling really uh, good about that mm -hmm. name. Uh, also, as you're someone who believes in changing the system, not mm. just the face, mm. from within. So how are you working toward changing the system here at UC Davis? It's a struggle. I mean, I think that we're really lucky to have a leader like you, um, somebody who is putting money and effort behind the words. Uh, that's rare. And so when people ask me, you know, how's UC Davis? How's it really? I tell them the truth, and I tell them we're really lucky to have Chancellor May. And I, and I know that sounds like I'm, I'm gassing you up, but I'm. <laughs> it's true. I... Um, I think that it's really neat to see a leader who is, you know, showing us the way. And so I do as much as I can. You know, I mentor, I do outreach, I try to get the word out, I speak my mind. You know, I'm pre-tenure, so I speak my mind to a certain extent. <laughs> um, but I think that for me, changing the system means opening doors and providing opportunities for students who were like me, first generation, um, you know, first time to college, uh, low income, people who come from places that they don't have necessarily the, the baseline that some of our other students do. And so that's what I do is I hold the door open. That's really impressive. And I just have to say thank you for the kind words, by the way. And gassing the host up is really allowed, <laughs> allowed in fact, encouraged here on Face to Face. So thank Perfect. you for that. I got it. Yeah. Um, Davis is also recognized for our interdisciplinary research. And it sounds like what you do fits that uh, description very well. Can you tell us about how that's been a part of your work here, interdisciplinarity? Actually, I just got a uh, new pilot funding um, opportunity. I got, I got a Scilog grant, which is... Um, 
from the Advanced Bioimaging Scilog. And so what we are going to be doing is I will get to do my expertise. You know, I will get to study embryonic development and do really cool fluorescent imaging of developing bird embryos. And then I get to pass these animals on to my collaborator who's going to do MRI analysis, so a different type of imaging. And then our third collaborator will be trying to knit together the 3D information from two different imaging modalities into um, essentially a slice-by-slice map of the developing brain in chicken embryos. And so that's one of the things that none of us have similar backgrounds in terms of what we do um, in our labs. But because I was a part of Scilog, we all came together and came up with a really fun idea for how can how can we use you know our expertise to do something novel and interdisciplinary. And then within UC Davis, I have a lot of collaborators um, starting studies. You know, with COVID, there were a bit of delays and getting, getting people together. But a lot of other cell and developmental biologists um, we get together and, and cross species and you know do stuff with each other's labs and so I have a few people that I am working with now and also hoping to work with soon um, for future studies okay tell the audience what Scilog is because everyone doesn't know what that is okay so the Scilog is a um, Chan Zuckerberg and Research Corporation of America funded um, science dialogue. So it's essentially a think tank where they bring together researchers from different backgrounds, meaning um, different uh, focus fields. Um, So for me, I'm one of the rarities as a developmental biologist in this imaging you know, focused area. A lot of them are engineers and physicists and um, big data people. And so I can provide the animal (laughs) and I can provide that molecular expertise where they, whereas they can do some of the really, you know, high throughput kind of image analysis. And so um, basically the goal of this program is to bring a bunch of people together and come up with the new ideas. So you have collaborators outside of UC Davis as Mm -hmm. a result of this Mm -hmm. program. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. And we have a regular thing we do here on Face to Face, which we call the hot seat. Okay. And you're in the hot seat. And all that means is I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions. And we're going to look for one word or one sentence answers to the questions. Okay. You all set? I, I'll do my best. Okay, here we go. Start out easy. Uh, I asked all my guests this one, and we alluded to music earlier. What song or artist is at the top of your playlist right now? It's a hard one. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you my favorite artist is still Tupac. That's fine. <laughs> still Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. But um, I'm actually listening to a lot of 2000s techno right now. <laughs> really? It gets me That's, pumped. That is interesting. <laughs> Is that for like workout music or driving in music? Great for, or? I use it to drive in. It like yeah. pumps me up, kind of like, you yeah. know, when you used to run in for the basketball games. That's what it's kind of like as I'm getting to work. I'm going to get ready and I'm going to get it done. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, it's embarrassing. It, it's not embarrassing. <laughs> uh, who is your greatest inspiration? Hmm. There are too many to name. There are a lot of, of scientists that I can name. Um I don't really have an answer to that. There's too many. It's a hodgepodge of people. Okay. Um, a lot of the 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 people who who allowed me to be here, basically. So it comes everything from comes from you know civil rights and social justice all the way to you know women scientists, and so it's really right. hard to name just one. Yeah, I get it. But mentors and people that yeah. inspire you, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, what's your favorite thing about being an Aggie so far? The animals. Oh my gosh. I love animals. I'm originally from Northern California. So I'm from a town in Sonoma County called Santa Rosa. And when I used to, you know, when I was growing up, we would drive around and cows were everywhere. 
And having the cows on my way in and just being able to see them and um, and like the really cute ones at the dairy that are just chilling all day. I love the animals, but also the wildlife in the area. Um, everything from, you know, the dragonflies to uh, the, the turkeys. There are turkeys outside Morocco Hall right now, actually, just kind of roaming around. And I think that part is one of my favorite things about being here. True confession. I'm scared of the turkeys. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I've heard some stories. <laughs> okay. Um, next question. I understand that you are a tracker like me, mm. and uh, here's kind of a tough one, but I want to see where you come down. There's a chess game between Spock and Data. Who wins? Uh, I got to go with the machine. <laughs> I think that Data would win. Um, he's got all of the answers. To, you know, he can process everything, and Spock is very logical, but logic doesn't win over knowledge. What if Data is where it has his emotion chip in? Oh, yeah, Spock. Spock wins. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. You know, I'm just going to pick Spock regardless. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> it's my favorite all-time <laughs> fictional character. He's amazing. Yeah, okay. Um, in a parallel universe, speaking of Star Trek, if you were not a scientist, what would you be? I can't imagine a world where I'm not a scientist. Really? When, my, when I talk about if I win the lottery, you know, I don't really play the lottery much. But when I do, I always think about creating a science institution or a science institute where I'll bring all my friends and we don't have to fight for grant funding. So <laughs> this is really my passion. Mm -hmm. I love it. Would you be something other than a developmental biologist, or that would be it? I love DevBio. Okay. It hooked me. All I right. thought so. I thought I wanted to cure addiction when I started science. Um, I had this passion for fixing, like that's not a fixable thing, but you know, figuring out a way to prevent it. And I did all these rotations, and when I when I rotated in my developmental biology lab and watched a frog grow from a single cell, you know, fertilized egg to a frog, I was hooked immediately. It, it's the coolest thing ever. Wow. It's great that you have passion for what you do. If, in my parallel universe, uh, I'm the owner of a jazz club. Okay, that's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. Um, now, it's your turn. You can ask me anything you would like. Okay. So I have a couple of questions. I don't know if I'm only allowed to ask one. Two is fine. Okay. So the first question I have, um, as you mentioned, I am also a Star Trek fan. Um, and I I grew up watching Next Gen. I used to have to, like, you know, I would force my friends to watch it because they were kind of cool kids and they didn't like <laughs> sci-fi. And so they would spend the night and I would force them to watch it. And I have since um, picked it up again with Discovery and all of the other new ones. But the question I have for you is where did you come up with the idea to – alter the mission of the school to boldly, boldly go? So I'm a little older than you, so I didn't grow up on Next Gen. I grew up on the original series. So um, to boldly go was the intro line in all the episodes. And I always thought that if I had a chance to be in leadership somewhere, that's the kind of uh, uh, the spirit I wanted to, to have uh, pervade the place I was leading, uh, being bold and going forward. So when I got a chance to come to UC Davis and be the chancellor, I said, let's make that the title of our strategic plan. Let's to boldly go. Now, sometimes the English professors don't like my split infinitive, but at the same time, I, you know, I say, let's lighten up and just, it's just a pop culture reference, mm -hmm. you know, so um, I think everyone understands what we're trying to say. That's, that's why I yeah. picked it. I think you're exploring new worlds and, and, you know, with the kindness that they do in Star Trek and, and sort of open-mindedness. I, I love it. So I, that was one of the first things I looked up when I got the interview here is like, what is this? Is that right? <laughs> what is this now? See, it's a marketing ago? tool. It's a recruiting tool. <laughs> I watched your video and I thought, oh my gosh, that's so neat. And I love that you, you know, I mean, you fly your nerd flag high, yeah. right? I love it. Nerds, you got to be proud. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. All right. So my second question, yeah. um, I love the videos. I, I loved your video today. I love the videos that you do with Mrs. May and, and 
I have a question that's, you know, a little more personal, which is how do you, um, you guys are always so respectful of each other and kind and you seem to have a really good time. And so do you have advice for those of us who are um, not as far along in our relationships? You know, how do you keep this, this going? So let me say thank you for uh, your your compliment about the videos. People do like the videos, but I have to admit that Mrs. May is really the star, and I'm kind of the best supporting actor. Um, by the way, we don't rehearse those at all. It's just how we interact all the time. Mm-hmm. We had students come to, ha- to the house for dinner once, and we were talking to each other, and the student remarked, wow, this is just like Thursday <laughs> Thoughts, because <laughs> that's how we talk to each other right. all the time. Anyway, so uh, I would say the secret to the relationship, well, there are many, but um, there are w- one big one. You know, First of all, I always have the last word, and the last words are, yes, dear. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one big Gonna make sure make yeah. sure you send me a copy of this so I can send this to my husband. And <laughs> in all seriousness, though, the the real in my view, the real secret is we laugh a lot together. We we just enjoy each other, mm-hmm. and um, of course, you, you know, you have to be attracted to each other and have you know things in common, all those sorts of things that that, that you do when you're a couple. But uh, I think uh, the thing that well, if I had to narrow down to one attribute, it would be the fact that we just laugh together, we enjoy each other. It is the best medicine. Yeah, yeah. I love laughing. Laughing is good for the soul, indeed. So um, I think that's it for Face to Face this time. Uh, Crystal, thank you so much for being a guest here. We really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks to everyone for listening. Tune in next time on Face to Face. Go Ags! <laughs>